Hey, New Orleans Pelicans fans, it's Dodson back at you again for the Protect the Nest podcast. You know, we are uh, trying to spread it out. It's the off season, get a few more more voices onto the show. And today we have a special guest. He's the co-site editor, site editor, uh, expert, I believe is what they call it over at Pelican Debrief. But we have Aaron Keller-Strauss with us today. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Dodson? How you doing, man? I can't complain. It's a Saturday. I don't really have to work, and you know it's not raining outside. So yeah, can't as far not, as New Orleans, not working, talking hoops, it's all good. Yeah, it's a good day. We've got power. We 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 definitely want to send our thoughts and everything out to those people who got hit by Hurricane Laura and do not have power. I'm hearing some places in Louisiana won't have power until as late as September 20th. The uh, electricity wow. company was texting out. So so we'll see. Yeah, Hope that's definitely. I think uh, to jump right into it, make it Pelicans related, to, 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 to inject power and a little bit of energy into the offseason, the next big thing has to be hiring a head coach. You wrote about that, or the, the, the Pelican debrief guys, y'all have covered that a little bit. Do you yeah. think we'll see a head coach before, say, September 20th? That gives them two weeks from the day we're airing this to uh, hire a head coach. Do you think that'll happen? Do you have a list? I don't know. Tell us what it, you think about the coach. It's a good question. Um, I think there are, it's possible. I, I really don't know. I mean, I think they've been doing a pretty good job of keeping it under wraps um, so far. There hasn't been much information to leak at all, but I'm starting to get the feeling they may be after someone who's still coaching on one of these playoff teams. So it's possible if they're kind of waiting that out. I really don't really know the rules how about they would go about interviewing people. I assume it would just be via phone or something, but um, they may be waiting for someone who's still in the bubble. Um, but they seem to be kind of doing their due diligence, and, and, and I think they should because they need to get it right. Yeah, David Griffin has said that he wanted to bring any potential candidates into New Orleans, have, you know, have them actually in the building, see what was being built, see how Gail Benson and Aaron Nelson have redone the, the training rooms and how, how they really just want to change the player development program. And you have to come see it to believe it, I think, right. is somewhat of the case for any any coaching candidates that might be skeptical about coming to the smallest market in the league yeah definitely and if those people coaching then obviously that's not possible at the moment so um i think the fact that it's taken them this long i think if the person they really wanted was out there um already that um i think that it would definitely have, oops sorry man <laughs> i think it would have already happened so um i think you know the fact that they've waited this long either tells you that they're doing their they're really doing their research and or it's someone who's still coaching Right. One of the the latest headlines on Pelican Debrief were the Pelicans must act fast on a new coach and get it right. Isn't that sort of two different, I guess, thoughts, processes? Because (laughs) if you go real fast, you're probably not going to get it right. Let's look at, you know, the Steve Nash hire. That did not go over well, but Brooklyn did get their man uh, pretty quickly in the offseason process. Yeah, I think I think the the speed element of it was more just if they wanted someone that was also wanted by someone else. You know, if they were looking at a coach that was sort of getting a lot of uh, looks from other teams, because there are what you know four or five other teams looking for a coach. So I think the speed element really added to that. But getting it right is obviously the most important part there. Um, and the fact that they haven't jumped at any of these sort of big names that immediately always pop up, the Jason Kids and, and, and Tyron Luth of the world. Um, I think is a good thing, and I think it means they're kind of they're taking their time and getting it right. Like I said, is much more important than the speed element at this point. But yeah, the speed was really just more about trying to compete against maybe some of these other teams with the same guy. 
I, and for some, for the life of me, I can't imagine there was a bidding war for Steve Nash. But maybe behind the scenes, no. he was one of those hot and hot commodities. Uh, but possibly, yeah, I, he kind of came out of nowhere. I, I hadn't really heard that he was interested in coaching, so I think that one kind of popped out of nowhere and, and uh, surprised a lot of people. Right. The last I'd seen Steve Nash was uh, in any real length of time, he was over at TNT and Bleacher Report doing soccer you know, analysis yeah. and halftime for the Champions League. So Yeah, I thought he was, it seemed like he was going in that direction, to be honest. <laughs> it was really kind of shocking. Um, I wasn't expecting that at all. Right. Who would be, like, maybe your most shocking hire the Pelicans uh, could, sele- uh, you know, take on as their candidate? That You know, it it's reasonable but shocking. I think that would be a college coach like Coach Cal or Coach K or something like that. But yeah, do you, do you have I, any I don't think they'll go that route just because it, it just really hasn't worked that many times. Um, a name I threw out there recently, if we're looking at guys who have never coached before, would be Chauncey Billups, who recently threw his name into the ring. Uh, probably after you know Steve Nash got hired, he was like, hey, why not me? Um, so I think he'd be an interesting name, just because I think for a long time he's been thought of as a guy who would make a really good head coach someday. Um, and there is a you know there is a modern history of of that happening, of guys who haven't had any kind of assistant coaching um, or any kind of coaching experience jumping right into the NBA and, and succeeding. Um, so I think he's a possibility. I'd, I'd be surprised, but he's a name that shock, but I think it's realistic still. Right. See, I'm starting to lean more towards if you want to hire a coach, you should hire an actual coach, maybe not an ex-player or someone who's transitioned into media. Look at some of the best coaches still still working today. Nick Nurse just won a championship. Spolstra. Yeah. They, they didn't come from that background. They Spolstra literally worked himself up from the video room. Like, he's yeah, a coach I, being I, hired to coach. I really like that kind of – I'm all for that kind of hire. Um, I like I like the sort of build from within concept that Miami has used. You know, when you you mentioned Spolstra, and then there's other guys that they're doing the same thing with right now. They're like Dan Craig. I've mentioned him as a possibility. Um, he's an assistant there. Uh, uh, sort of build within, sort of mold the, your own coach kind of thing. Um, and yeah, when you look at some of the most successful guys in the league right now, that's that's kind of the trend. So um, I'm all for that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm hoping we see that. I, I, I'm not really sold on the reach ads, even to Kenny Atkinson, who I think y'all had published was the Lonzo Whisperer. And, I mean, Lonzo, Lonzo got a Dame endorsement recently on Twitter, but I still don't see that out of Lonzo, and I don't see that out of a candidate that's already failed elsewhere. Maybe not failed, but just didn't get a championship yeah, elsewhere. I, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I think with Atkinson, there, you know, the connection is just that he, well, there is some connection between the Pelicans and the Nets with but um, I think the connection is just that he's had some success in the past, you know, developing point guard. Um, but, you know, his thing is he developed a lot of guys or helped a lot of guys in the way who weren't necessarily like blue chip. So um, he's an interesting one. I'm kind of with you. Uh, I, I generally feel like giving someone else, like that person, a chance, a better idea than, than going for someone who's really lost. You know, that's why I'm, I'm pretty anti-Jason Kidd, for example. Um and, you know, go for some, some new ideas and maybe can bring something fresh to the table and not someone who's already lost everywhere they've been. Right. I mean, you can't, to me, David Griffith can't come out and talk about it has to be the right person for the job, the right, you know, character build up. And then you look at everything Jason Kidd's done on the court and off the court. That, yeah, that would be sending the wrong message. It, oh, me, absolutely. And I, I don't think he was ever a serious candidate. It's, he's just one of those guys, whenever there's a COVID coaching, you can see his name's going to pop up. 
Yeah, you got to chase the headlines as a writer. You got to chase the headlines as an agent. And if you're Jason Kidd, you've all, it seems like he's always chasing the next job and the next piece of power uh, in, yeah. within whatever organization he's with. So I would not welcome that in New Orleans in any capacity. But, <laughs> no, no. After the way he tried to the old front office coup in Brooklyn, I highly doubt it. David Griffin would go that direction. Right, but looking at the the development, say that Miami does in house, both with their roster, the for playing roster and coaching roster, what, switching from coaches to our actual roster, what do you think of our rookie development so far? Where are these rookies going to go? I, I mean, have y'all done a? Maybe I didn't scroll back far enough. Maybe a, a rating the rookie seasons uh, article. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At this point, I think after having like four months, and I have back, I've written about every article in the yeah, I mean, I think it was a mixed bag. You know, I think because they have, they have really tantalizing talent. There's no doubt about that. When you watch Jackson Hayes and watch, you know, Alexander Walker and some of the things they can do, um, I think, you know, it was a mixed bag, but it's also very few rookies outside of the top guy and play and make a gym, you know. So I think their development was all right. The fact that they got on the floor in meaningful games is good, um, especially in those bubble games. Had a lot of pressure, you know. So I think, and I do think it was interesting that they had um, Alexander Walker handling the ball primarily when he was in there. Because um, I do think he's intriguing as a point guard option or a you know kind of a primary ball handling option off the sec- um, off the bench. Um, so yeah, I think it was kind of a mixed bag. I wouldn't say anyone released blew up but they got what they needed to get out of this season i'd say yeah the only thing that blew up for the new orleans pelicans season in the bubble was their actual season and gentry's job status <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it, it, there wasn't much that went right so i mean for positive i would say that you know kill alexander walker the fact that he played in those games it all was good um and that he did show some things you know he can he can get to the hoop he, he has a lot of his cousin in him he's like you know when i watch oklahoma city and watch um oh that's what his name Shy shy guilty yeah. um they look a lot alike you know and have similar type of speaks and they have a similar type of game obviously the, his cousin in oklahoma city is a lot better at this point but you can see it you know you could definitely see him developing into that at some point and you know if he cleans up some of his problems and if he develops into what his cousin's developing into in Oklahoma City, that means he'll eventually move into the starting rotation. Yep. I don't think Lonzo will be there, but we don't know if Drew Holiday is going to be there. He had a tweet today, and now everybody's saying Drew to Miami. Where do you of see the, the Drew Holiday situation going through the rest of the summer and into into next season? You know, I kind of wrote today that, that if you look and see what Memphis was able to get for Mike Conley, you know, last off season when um, his market wasn't as robust as what there would be for Drew Holiday because Drew Holiday is younger and he's better. Um, so I think that if the Pelicans wanted to go that route, they're going to be any number, almost any contender who's looking for a third piece. Um, the problem is there aren't that many of them who then have something Pelicans would want in return. It's a tricky proposition. You know, you don't want to just trade him to get rid of them. You want to get back assets. Um, uh, that help you better, you know, make you better now and in the future. I mean, I think there probably are some trades out there that could do that. You know, the way Miami's playing right now, they might not even need him. I don't know. Um, yeah, Miami would be one team possibly. And if you look at what just happened with the Bucks, I mean, obviously they're going to be a name that pops up, I think, because they're going to be shaking some things up um, if they end up getting swept, you know. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's a it's such a tough call because Drew Holiday is a very good player. He's beloved in New Orleans. He's a really good guy. He's the kind of guy you want to build your team, kind of be the face of your franchise in a lot of ways. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm okay with it if they just keep him. But I think, you know, if you look at his contract and you look at kind of the fit, there might be better fits out there and they might be able to get a big package of slew of players when you look at what Memphis did and we're able to parlay Mike Conley into a long list of good players and draft picks, really, you know? Yeah, yeah. I started skimming that article, then got a call. Uh, can't say I made it all the way through to even because the list of players was so long. You know, I was. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those. Let me, let they me... ended up just trading all the guys that got back, you know, in the Conley trade. And let me see. I can pull up real fast and just look at the list. And when you look at it, I mean, when you look at their relative age and production and everything, um, Drew Holiday should be able to get more, particularly in this off season. And I think that's really the only emphasis here is this off season is so thin on free agents that they might be able to get a much larger package now than they will next off season when there are a lot of good free agents and teams minded to say, hey, you know, we could just wait it out. So if you end up looking what the Grizzlies get, they got oh, I got the whole list here. They Turned into Grayson Allen, Brandon Clark, Josh Jackson, DeAnthony Melton, Justice Winslow, Winslow, Georgie Dang, and three draft picks. You know, right? Well, technically, wasn't all that, obviously yeah. from the Conley trade because they went flipped Corver and some of these other guys they got for Conley into other players and draft picks. But that's a pretty good list of players. And if the Pelicans, you know, could find some better fits on their roster, get a good young. Player, picks i don't know i think it's a move they might make well that's where i'm going if they flip the players they got for conley and make that into more assets that's still you know a, a tertiary benefit of making that conley trade so that the list right. of benefits is just going to get longer and that's kind of what david griffin has to do with the anthony davis trade hall with all these different picks and <laughs> players i mean he has to find something or he's going to be facing the milwaukee Bucks situation where yep. they they pushed all in they look great this season as a regular season team but now Coach Budenholzer is going to be looked at in a far different light, especially if they get swept. Anything besides yes. a four-game winning streak. And, you know, his his legacy in Milwaukee is going to take a far different narrative. Their front, their front office is going to take a beating because of the decisions they made to wind up with this roster and not the roster they could have had had they wanted to maybe pay the luxury tax. And yeah. th- that's where the Pelicans are heading. So we can look at this yeah. as... as <laughs> Yeah, and it's, and it's you know, the Pelicans, you know, I'm on two kind of camps simultaneously with them, which is I really like their team, and it would be great to watch the reality of the situation. And the fact that I don't think you can necessarily count on Zion being like a 10-year player who plays every year, or, or every game, you know. Um, so to me, there's also, should you try to, and they do have the chips to push in and try to get a superstar to put around and potentially without trading, you know, obviously Zion or Brandon Ingram, if they can do that, I don't know. They might might be in their best interest to do it. You know, windows close really fast in the NBA, um, and I worry about Zion. Right, I worry about Zion. That's why I, I'm leaning more towards you give Ingram the max and tell Zion he's about to have to share share that throne, you know, with yeah. Ingram. He, he's not just going to walk in here and be what everyone's hyped him up to be. He's going to have to earn that the same way, you know, LeBron. Everybody's compared him to LeBron. LeBron went out and earned 
those expectations by going to the finals so much with trash Cleveland rosters. Finally yeah. winning a ring. I mean, he built schools at this point. You, you cannot yeah. – his, his <laughs> right. record is unimpeachable. LeBron, I, yeah. no matter what you think of him politically or as a person, you have to give him the credit that he's lived up to everything people put in front of him and more, which – He's got to be one of the only guys who ever has, really, when you look at the hype that he had coming in. I mean, really, he's only one of the – probably the biggest, most hyped player of all time. His high school games are on ESPN, you know. So, I mean – yeah, he's amazing. Um, and if Zion can be half that, I think that's great. And I, but I don't think you can assume it, you know. And I think that, you know, Zion's a good good kid, but he played, what, 25 games here. And I, I don't know, man. I, I didn't like what I saw down the stretch. The fact that he left the bubble for, you know, and, you know, put on him for taking care of his family business, you know. And I totally respect that, and he should have done it. Man, he came back and just looked awful. I mean, he looked like a 45-year-old man. So I think, obviously, there's going to be some big emphasis put on his, you know, physique in the offseason. But I don't think the Pelicans can just assume he's going to be this generational superstar, given his injury history already, you know. Right. He's got the potential, but you've got to prove it. This is a prove-it league. Uh, Make and miss league is what they make the players say on that promo for ESPN. So, I mean, Drew's proved it. Ingram proved it this season. Zion's still there. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I was going to say another thing watching this this playoff, these playoffs, it's made me realize, you know, it's nice to look at the Pelicans on paper, but this is still a grown adult league. You know, when you watch these playoff teams, I don't see the Pelicans being that close to any of them. You know, um, when I'm watching these teams like the Clippers, for example, um, or even Denver or some of these teams, I just the Pelicans are still a tier below that, um, at least. So um, I think on one hand, it's nice just to let's just let them develop and see what happens. But I also think if you could push your chips in and get a superstar to put around Zion and B.I. and it costs you Drew Holiday, um, you absolutely got to do it. Right. If you look at these playoff teams and say what New Orleans Pelicans players would maybe get 12, 15 minutes a night for any of them, Jackson Hayes got 16 minutes for these Pelicans. He wouldn't get yeah. five minutes for a playoff team right now. No, no. And and you see, you saw, and I hate to throw the word soft around because obviously these guys are all superhumans that could kick my ass, you know, but it's like, um, and I hate being like the keyboard warrior, like, hey, yeah, they're soft, but it's like, when I say soft, I just mean they're not strong enough to compete right now. I mean, I was watching Houston, you know, Lakers last night and just thinking like, wow, the Pelicans look like boys compared to these guys. You know, I'm watching P.J. Tucker just taking care of business on defense, and I'm like, man, the Pelicans don't have anyone who can body up a big, big power forward or wing like that, you know. So, I mean, I think there are, there's still ways to go, but they, they're they just, you know, they have to make kind of a choice. Do they want to try to push it in a little bit more and get some some more veterans and win now or do they just want to kind of roll with it and build you know what's what they have i think there's a solid argument for either really well where would you sit because they've got dd silva they got a bunch of draft picks they've got free agents like frank jackson uh uncle e's gonna be up darius miller could come back but he's got his contract how much of this roster would you bring back even considering overhaul of last year i mean of the free agents i honestly wouldn't bring back the only one i'm I really like. I do. I am in the Frank Jackson camp because <laughs> um, I watch someone like you know Jamal Murray in Denver, and obviously he's very good and much much better than Frank Jackson. But I see some similarities in them, and I think you know over time he's still only 22. He's got a, he's a big guard. He can he can defend. 
and he'll be cheap. So I, I kind of, Frank Jackson would be the one I'd kind of look at re-signing. The rest of them, I'd say, you know, thanks for your services. Um, I think they can do better. And, you know, there are guys out there in free agents that can replace what Derek Favors does, for example, for much less. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and I also kind of think, when you look at the free agents available, I don't think the Pelicans should be, you know, maxing out their cap space to get any of them. Because <laughs> um, realistically, the guys that would really help them are probably guys that are out of their range. So, I, you know, I have written a couple times in the past uh, this week about a sort of, you know, going a little bit more of the cheap option at center particularly, um, just trying to do it by committee um, rather than make a big splash with one guy because there's so many good free agents in 2021 that might help the Pelicans. And, you know, there's still a lot of trades out there. So um, I don't think they really need to worry about free agency too much. Um, their own guys, yeah, there's not there's not much. You know, I don't think most of them that didn't really play this season. You know, when you look at Okafor and Kendrick Williams, Darius Miller. So um, I don't think they're part of the team moving forward. Right, there's some of them, even if they come back at a value contract, I would still probably prefer to see maybe a different option because they bring different talents. And we know we know some of what they tried this season didn't work. It, just by looking yep. at the record, you could look at the five-minute spurts of what was on the court. And they tried a couple things with their bench. I mean, Gentry kept a long bench. He kept playing 13 or yeah. 12 players into December almost. And it yeah. just some of those things weren't working. So even if a player wants to come back, on a value deal, you've got to tell them, look, we just we kind of want to see a different painter use our paintbrush, you know, that, that sort yep. of thing. So, and they need to get some guys who don't have long histories of injuries. I mean, really, you only look at this season, most of the bench players were injured. I mean, you, we never really got to see what Kendrick Williams could be like or something like this. But, you know, and I like some of the things he brings to the table potentially, but they have to get someone who's going to be in there, you know, and, and especially with the injury history even of their starters with Lonzo and Zion and B.I.'s had problems you know so they need backups for those guys that can play um, and so I th- that's really their biggest issue right now they've got the stars they've got the core but they don't have any much else around it and that's what they need to work on right it seems to need to take a few either dimes and make nickels to get a quarter or however you want to do that sort of uh, analogy like Say your piece today on why you might even trade Melly to try and find some different yeah. pieces because he's 29, going on 30, just like Drew. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a, for me. He is the most likely or preferable person, I guess, to trade. I mean, I think he offers something that a lot of teams want, which is like a big guy who can shoot. But the the shooting is pretty theoretical at this point because he he was so terrible down the stretch. I don't know. I mean, his trade value might be nothing right now. But he is on a value contract, and I think if they were getting back a guy who was more of a bruiser, um, you know, I've thrown guys out. I'm just using his name as an example, someone like Robin Lopez or, you know, a low-level sort of guy. Um, I used him as an example, someone they might trade Melly for. Um, And I think that would work for the Pelicans, to be honest. I mean, if you look at their salaries match up, they're going to be looking for more. Or shooting, obviously, around Giannis, and the Pelicans just need to get bigger, stronger, and get some guys who are devoted to defense, you know, because Melly can't really guard anyone, and they have plenty of three-point shooting. They don't need him. He's a luxury, you know. Right. I think if if Milwaukee wants Drew, I, I would go for that because I don't see them lasting three more years. Giannis is either going to leave, that team's going to get blown up, and when they do, that's going to be some good draft picks. But they're going to have to go all in for someone to help Giannis because yeah. uh, James Harden was right. I've seen a lot of people backtracking on their uh, – 
negativity towards when James Harden called out Giannis for being a one-dimensional offensive player. But we're seeing yeah. exactly that today oh, yeah. through this series yeah. that Giannis, his game's still not maybe as refined as a lot of the other MVP candidates and past yeah. MVP winners. Yeah, and I mean, I think Milwaukee's in a really difficult situation, obviously, um, because he's got just one year left on his contract after this. And yeah, if they don't it to prove it, and honestly, I don't know, they may have to think about trading him, which seemed unthinkable last season. But if he doesn't want to sign an extension, I don't know. Um, they may be in trouble. So I think the Bucks are definitely uh, <laughs> going to have a lot to think about, especially if they get swept. Yeah, which it's looking like they're going to get swept. They're going to they're gonna get They, yeah, just they, they know, didn't seem to have, like just, have the life in them anymore. Kind of like the yeah. Pel- kind of like the Pelicans in the bubble. They, there was parts when we, to keep this on the Pelicans, you can't mm-hmm. tell me as a fan, anybody watched all of those games and saw times when it, it just looked like the team had gave up. Yeah, and I think you're seeing it right now with a couple different teams that, you know, the Bucks definitely are one of them. And I do think one thing people have to keep in mind, though, is that this situation is tough. You know, I don't, I don't want to play my violin for, for multi-millionaires who are playing basketball, but, like, it is a tough situation to be quarantined away from your friends and family for that long. I know some of them have, obviously, some family members and stuff in there now. But it is just a completely different situation. So I do wonder if, how much sort of stock people, teams are going to put in this bubble, you know, playoff thing compared to if it had just been a regular sort of season and played out, you know, um, because it is very different not having any kind of home court advantage. Um, you know, there are a lot of different little things that affect teams and I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but I, I just wonder how much teams are going to really look at this and on making future decisions. Yeah, it's going to be tough to make a future decision based on this. It's almost like they say you hit a rookie wall and, you know, the sophomore slump of a band. But these it, being in the coronavirus has affected a lot of people's mental health. Paul George came yeah. and talked about it. These players are dealing with stuff that they're not going to talk to the media about. And there's no one else there, Absolutely. no family. It, it's not going to get out as much. And only the front office, maybe yeah. even the front office won't know about it because why would you really go and talk to them about it right now you have to remain yeah. six feet you can't really even be a personal conversation about something so deep but uh and that's why i try not to read too much into you know the fact that lonzo didn't play very well or the zion out of shape or whatever because you have to think about it we're all going through a lot right now and i'm not being asked to perform on national television in the middle of it <laughs> you know what i mean so um it, there's a lot going on, and then we, we have the protests and Black Lives Matter movement and everything, and all this is so important. It's a lot of stress mentally, so I do think that, you know, we have to keep that in mind when we're kind of evaluating how people played in this environment. Right, and those are all good points. We appreciate it. We want anybody that's coming on the Protecting Us podcast to be able to talk about those issues as freely as they feel comfortable with. And we appreciate you coming on today. It's been a good 30 minutes. But we'll let you sweep on out, just kind of like the Bucks are going to get swept out of the playoffs. So you can go enjoy your Saturday. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me on, Dotson. Yeah, well, hey, tell the people where they can find you, and then we'll let you get on out. Uh, you can find all my stuff at pelicandebrief.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Buck Show. That's T-H-E-B-U-K Show. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, come read our stuff. We're going to be doing – we'll have a lot of – you know, this is silly season, so we're going to have a lot of uh, interesting trade proposals, free agency stuff, and draft obviously coming up, so come check us out. Hey, we'll be checking you out. The NBA draft's coming up. I'm hoping we'll have you back on before we make our pick, and thanks again. Y'all protecting right, us. Man. Yeah, you take care out there and stay safe. Yeah.
and we protecting the nest. We protecting the nest. Pelicans updates right down to the sec. And we protecting the nest. We protecting the nest. Nola LBJ and Dotson time to get them in check. And we protecting the nest. We protecting the nest. Pelicans updates right down to the sec. And we protecting the nest. We protecting the nest. Nola LBJ and Dotson time to get them in check. Let's go.